It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. After you're done listening to today's Locked on Washington football team podcast, join NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson as they host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson. Every Monday through Friday, Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the National Football League, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. returning if you haven't already please subscribe or follow the show leave a rating leave a review it'll help other fans of the team find us when you can't find us here you can find chris over the team 983 to 7 p.m eastern time monday through friday also find them or pete methurst and chris over on the odyssey app as well as this show you can also find chris covering the washington football team and writing for si.com on twitter at russellmania621 find me at dharrison82 and find the show at locked wft pod chris back for our midweek episode here and we've got more rankings. It's kind of what this type of season, this part of the season is really dedicated to is rankings and reacting to those rankings. And now we've got a new set of rankings that are organizing all of the NFL stadiums by power rankings. Uh, and I think most people probably expect the Washington football team stadium FedEx field to come in fairly close to the bottom of this list. Yeah, well, uh, not fairly close to the bottom, David. It is on the bottom, <laughs> uh, ranked 30th out of the 30 NFL stadiums. Now, you might be asking, uh, which I had to for a second, wait, there's 32 NFL teams. Aha, MetLife Stadium, Jets and Giants, SoFi Stadium, Rams and Chargers. So that's why it's only 30 stadiums and Washington and FedEx Field comes in last. Now, uh, here's what I would say about this. Uh, A, this was kind of mostly expected. I mean, I thought maybe Jacksonville's TIA field, whatever it's called, uh, it, you know, maybe would have gotten this um, well, honor, I guess, if you want to call it. But FedEx Field, quite honestly, like they've done a lot to spruce up Jacksonville Stadium. Uh, now, FedEx Field, they have done things over the years. I mean, it's not like they just allowed a stadium that was built, David, in 1997 to just decay and become horrible and not change anything. They have changed a lot of things. They've made improvements. They've added state-of-the-art video boards and party decks, and they've taken out some of the cavernous sections of the upper deck to reduce the capacity. They've done a lot of things. The, the problem is they haven't done enough. And in conjunction with it being now an older stadium, especially when you compare it to so many of the new stadiums, and even just in the division AT&T Stadium in Dallas, never mind Lincoln Financial Field and MetLife Field, uh, a MetLife Stadium in New York uh, or in Jersey, you know, when you compare it to those, it's the oldest stadium by far. It's one of the oldest in the NFL because everybody gets a new stadium. And because the on-field product has been so poor 
And I guess the natives have been restless for so long. Everyone knows going to FedEx field is not a fun experience, especially if you have to pay the money that you have to pay. That being said, that being said, I'll just add this one last thing. Honestly, I think the reputation for how bad it is, is a little bit overrated. Now it's easy for me to say that I don't pay to go there. If I had to pay, I'm sure I would say it was awful. I don't have to pay to go there, but I talked to plenty of fans and I've been throughout the stadium and I've watched games from seats, visiting friends and fans and all that stuff. And I honestly don't think it's as bad as its reputation. I think people would be fine, okay with it if they just won more games. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you look through the list, that that is evident because there are some stadiums on here that uh, I would definitely consider worse than FedEx Field that are basically getting a little bit of a bump because of prestige and, you know, team performance. I mean, I forgot the Lambeau Field, like Lambeau Field is basically all history and, you know, the feel of it and the, the nostalgia of it. You know, if you if you took the name off of it and you just said, this is our, this is going to be our new stadium your fan base would revolt. You know what I mean? So uh, there, there's things like that. And then I don't know me personally, uh, I've been to MNT bank stadium. I don't think it's a terrible stadium, but I'm not all that impressed by it uh, where the bills play. I honestly can't remember what the stadium's called anymore. Um, the stadium itself is, is really nothing. Like I, I wouldn't say high school stadiums are better, but the stadium itself is really not all that impressive. There's really nothing that stands out about it other than bills mafia making it such a such an amazing place to play and and a great place to see a game so when you look at like the 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 skeleton of the stadium i think the rankings probably be a little bit different but when you add in the the fan base the mystique of it the nostalgia of it like nobody's gonna miss fedex field the day that it goes away you know what i mean because of this attachment to this team uh, and then also i don't know about you chris but i mean i've talked to i've never been personally but talking to several people i know in the in this business in this field uh, both that cover the Saints or teams that play in New Orleans, the Superdome is is a pit, and, and it's ranked 14th on this list. So I mean, I, like the Superdome is terrible, and I mean, I got it with Hurricane Katrina. There's some sentimental value there, but right. just as a stadium, it's it's pretty terrible, and and it's probably past its its prime. And then I mean, Soldier Field uh, is, is I I remember my first trip to Soldier Field. I was shocked at how small it really, it really was. Well, then. it's the smallest stadium yeah. in, in the NFL. And that's part of the reason why the bears won out. I think the capacity yeah. uh, after the redesign is only 61,500, yeah. which oh, is yeah. really, really, really uh, small. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, you know, look, I, I take this list and I kind of throw it out the window to be honest with you. Cause I think the person that did this, no offense for touchdown wire, a part of USA today is just mm -hmm. trying to be controversial because David, they have, the brand new SoFi stadium with all the bells and whistles. I yeah. mean, multi-billions of dollars spent on that stadium with the, uh, and, and maybe it's, it's missing some sort of charm, but they have it ranked 18th, 18th. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, listen, I've been, I, now I haven't been to that stadium, but I've been to Lambeau field. I've been to soldier field. I've been to, uh, a bunch of the stadiums on the on this list. I I went in college. I went at, you know to I don't know twenty games at Bill Stadium or what's called now Highmark Stadium. I was last there in 2012 for Robert Griffin's um, preseason debut. You mentioned the Superdome in New Orleans. 
Again, I was there for one game, Robert Griffin's NFL regular season debut in 2012. It was nothing special at all. I mean, it's loud. And like you said, there's some history there because of of Katrina and all that. I've been to most of these stadiums, quite honestly, on this list. I have some strong disagreements, if I'm being honest with this list, but there are saying, well, you know, such factors as fan participation uh, are taken into consideration as well as architectural design and climate. So when it says fan participation, you know right away they gave the Bills Mafia a huge jump, a huge jump. And they gave kind of like MetLife Stadium, which, you know, there's nothing special about MetLife Stadium except for the four gigantic video uh, boards in each corner of the stadium. That's about it. So I understand maybe not being in love with MetLife, but there's nothing wrong with MetLife. It's pristine. It's a great place to watch a football game. I mean, I don't know if this guy has quite honestly been to half the stadiums on this list. I have. And I'm telling you that some of these rankings are really weird. Yeah, that that is a really good question. I think that needs to be done. This list needs to be done by someone who's been to these stadiums, not just been to them, like visited them, but seen a game in them, even from the press box. You know what I mean? Because that's how you take in the real aura of the stadium. And I mean, not for nothing, Chris, and I know we have some listeners don't like hearing me talk about the Buccaneers, and I know I have a connection to the team because I cover them, but... How does a pirate ship, I mean, a pirate ship has got to be top five. Like just having a pirate ship in your stadium has got to make you top five as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they, they have Raymond James Stadium at six, so it's close enough. Yeah. But I think Raymond, they, Raymond James Stadium was, was one of my favorite road trips. I, I mean, I would probably say, to be honest with you, like AT&T Stadium in Dallas was always number one for me. Yeah. I haven't been there in five years, but Raymond James was number two. I mean, not just because of the pirate ship. Uh, maybe it was because of the food in the press box. <laughs> I yes, know. I was going to say, we got to be honest, that press box food is on <laughs> or, or point the weather or, or whatever. But I mean, I just, I, I always liked Raymond James Stadium and I know they've done a bunch of improvements since I'd yeah. last been there. Yep. So yeah, I would, I would definitely yeah. say it's within my top five. I can tell you that. Absolutely. And you know what, while we're on the topic, New Orleans press box food, atrocious. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. So you that know, just makes I, it go down the list I, even further. It's funny that you say that because I had like runny scrambled eggs and nothing Cajun, nothing Louisiana, nothing, nothing in New Orleans. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You know, it's not terrible, Chris, our friends over at betonline.ag. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I wish there was a way to like put prop bets on stadium rankings, because I think this conversation goes a lot deeper than maybe the average fan really quite realizes, but there's plenty of action over bet online, even if it's not stadium related. Baseball is in full swing. You've got NBA playoffs, hockey playoffs, UFC, MMA coming. Before the next contest, head over to betonline.ag. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to and in the playoffs. Head over to that website again, betonline.ag. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? 
Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, this is the Locked On Washington football team podcast along with David Harrison. I'm Chris Russell. And let's get into uh, something that we wanted to get into earlier this week. David, I found this to be a little bit surprising, if I'm being honest. And it bodes well if it's true and if it holds up and maybe even if it gets better this year for the revamped Washington football team secondary. Of course, adding uh, William Jackson the third and bringing back Kendall Fuller. And uh, we'll see what happens at safety, but adding Bobby McCain. And that is Jimmy Moreland, the now going into his third year, uh, seventh round pick from James Madison was graded by next-gen stats. That's the computer chip technology uh, official statistical and analytical provider for the National Football League. The third best corner in terms of working the slot in the NFL amongst corners that had 50-plus targets defended or, um, I I guess, attacked, if you will, in the slot. 50-plus targets or more out of the slot. Jimmy Moreland on the Washington football team, number three behind Chauncey Gardner, uh, Johnson, New Orleans, who, you know, you mentioned uh, Tampa Bay earlier. They obviously see him a bunch. And Jordan Lewis from Dallas, uh, both of those guys in the 59% range. Jimmy Moreland, 57.6. And if you would have honestly told me that, I I wouldn't have said that Jimmy Moreland's that good. This is surprising to me. But assuming that it's all true, and I, I, I mean, I have to believe them, it, it, it bears fruit. I, I, know he's, I know he's solid. I didn't think he was this good, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I mean, if I had to, you know, if, if, if someone put me in a corner and made me rank the top five uh, slot corners in the game, I don't know that Jimmy Moreland would have been in the top five, let alone top three. But when you look at it, I mean, it, it, you know, given the fact that this is – you know, there's there's work behind this. This isn't, you know, this isn't a guy who watches games on on television, you know, the Red Zone channel making a list of his favorite stadiums. These are analytics experts and people who take the time to really kind of dissect some of the uh, the nuances of the game, the context of the game. But really, I mean, slot corner play is so it, it's it's a little bit more complicated than I think a lot of people quite understand like playing in the middle of the field, you're not right in the middle, I got it, but you're more, you're usually inside the hashes, you know, and maybe right on the hashes. There's so much going on with your position. Like it's not just what the receivers do. Like a lot of times you, you man up as a cornerback and you, you know what, you know, you're, you're shadowing, you're trying to chase the hip and all those other phrases and cliches that we have. But as a slot corner, there's so much more to it. It's, it's knowing not only what your receiver is doing, what your assignment is, but what, do you have around you? Where is the safety? Is the safe? How is how is the safety relating to what's going on with you? Linebackers. How are the linebackers? Where's the pass rush coming from? Who's the quarterback? Like if you know if the pass rush is coming from the opposite side of your formation, and you've got a mobile quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, not only are you covering your slot receiver, but you're also having to watch for that flush because if Patrick Mahomes comes out and flushes out your side of the field, you've got to be able to make sure that you're in there for a play. So there's a lot that goes to it, and a lot of it is very cerebral. Um, I always kind of go back to like Vernon Hargraves 
I feel like the slot cornerback position doesn't get enough love in the National Football League from a fan base and maybe even from a media coverage uh, stance because Vernon Hargraves, when the Buccaneers put him in the slot, was a really, really good slot cornerback. But there just seemed to be this uh, obsession either from him or from the team or from both of them to make Vernon Hargraves a perimeter defender. Yeah, you know, you know, David, I it, it's interesting. I totally agree with you, and and I think what you see more across the NFL right now is because teams have spent most of their money, um, you know, on the outside corner position. What they'll do if they have a great receiver, they'll move that great receiver away from the top corner and maybe even the, the number two corner on the outside and try and get them in the slot. Why? Because teams aren't spending the kind of money and don't have the kind of size or talent that New Orleans has, or, you know, again, that Dallas has and Washington, I guess, has uh, in, in former seventh round pick Jimmy Moreland. Now, Washington didn't spend any money again, you know, seventh round pick out of James Madison uh, University. But I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how this year plays out with an even better outside corner situation for Moreland. Um, than Fuller and Darby last year, meaning Fuller and William Jackson III, theoretically a better safety, theoretically a better linebacker situation. Will he become number one on this list? Will he be dominant? I don't know. If he becomes dominant, that, that's awesome for the Washington football team. Let me just give you a, a quick number. He played 518 snaps out of the slot according to uh, profootballfocus.com last year. Now, that's most of his slots on defense. They played, I think, like 60-some-odd snaps uh, elsewhere. But just giving you, like, some of the raw data and some of the raw numbers, um, he's got – so last year, Jimmy Moreland uh, allowed um, – 54 catches on 75 targets. That's a 72% ratio, 481 yards, 8.9 yards per target, 242 yards after the catch, a long of 54, no touchdowns, no touchdowns, and did have one interception, no pass breakups, and an NFL passer rating against 83.2. Again, I haven't looked at these numbers all offseason, David, but those numbers are surprising to me based on what I remember. So I'm going to have to go back and crunch a lot of the numbers, but that speaks well to Jimmy Moreland um, again. And, and maybe part of the reason why they didn't put Kendall Fuller inside the slot when I thought that's what they were going to do. And maybe they don't even do that this year. If Benjamin St. Juice takes off uh, and, and, and forces Kendall Fuller inside, maybe they don't do that, which is what I was kind of thinking they were originally going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the analytics, you know, again, they they take a lot of context and they take a lot of situational stuff in. So if, if that's how he really performed and that's how the, the team sees him uh, internally as well with their with their own analytics guys and all that stuff, then, yeah, I mean, it certainly points to Jimmy Moreland being a, a strong contender to stay in that position. And, you know, it definitely opens the door for other things to possibly happen. But I think what it really speaks to is the fact that this defense, which was so strong up front, has really gotten better, not just in the middle uh, with, with the with the NFL draft, but also in the back end with these cornerbacks and these safeties. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. This is the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I'm Dave. Uh, I'm not David Harrison. That's David Harrison. I'm Chris Russell. And maybe Jimmy Moreland can use a built bar. Or maybe he doesn't need a built bar because he's already built. But you need a built bar. I know I need a built bar. As a matter of fact, I had a built bar coming back from the gym uh, before recording this particular podcast. Yes, I love my built bar. I had a double chocolate. Well, maybe coconut or coconut almond or cherry or raspberry or mint brownie, which is David's favorite, or peanut butter brownie, which is my favorite, or the double chocolate, which I mentioned, or salted caramel is your favorite. If you don't know which one is your favorite, good news. Get a mixed box. You'll get two of each of those nine flavors that I just mentioned. Or you have the occasional special limited time flavor, and they have plenty of those. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're so good for you. Like I said, I had one after the gym, and I didn't feel like I was having necessarily a chocolate bar from the from the bad standpoint. I felt like I was having a chocolate bar from the good standpoint. Why? Because they're high in protein, low in calorie, low in sugar, low in net carbs, uh, and they give you what your body needs to refuel as a meal replacement or maybe even a dessert late at night if you have the late night munchies. Order today, get the raspberry, get the mint brownie, get the peanut butter brownie, or the double chocolate, whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wrapping up today's episode of the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. David Harrison and Chris Russell on Twitter at DHarrison82 at Russellmania621. Find the show at Locked WFT pod and Chris, we're going to finish up today's episode the way we finished up yesterday's episode. And that is with another voicemail from another Washington football team fan and listener of this show. Hey there, Chris, David, this is little Bill calling out of the state of Arkansas. Yeah. And I just want to let you know, I'm a huge, huge Washington football team fan. I always have been since a little boy being from the state of Arkansas, they seem to always want to try to cram the Dallas Cowboys down your throat. But um, I haven't been drinking the Kool-Aid. Like I say, I've been a Washington fan all my life. And um, I just love it whenever the football team, or well, the Redskins back then, but the football team, whenever they get a chance to beat Dallas, beat the brakes off of Dallas, and man, I love that, you know. And um, I get to sit around with my friends, you know, and just sport my Washington gear. And uh, I enjoy that to the fullest. But uh, what I wanted to call in and say is uh, I was going to ask you guys, do you think that uh, Scott Turner, you know, I know he's signal caller down there in Washington. I think that, you know, sometimes he seems a little scary there to really dial up the play calling for the first half. And it's like we're always end up coming, you know, having to play from behind. Um, maybe it was just the jitters, you know, no, uh, what I don't know really know, but I was wondering if you guys felt the same way about it. What do you think about it? Um, I think that, you know, it seems like in the second half, though, he always comes out strong, but 
just like we're always playing from behind. But uh, uh, I was just wondering how you guys, what you know, what was your outtake on? What did you think about it? And uh, also, I want to say, you know, maybe I was notice how the team always seemed to get a little gassed. Um, you know, uh, maybe you know if the coaching staff should maybe implement some more. You know, running, you know, run the team more, you know, get them, get that stamina up, you know. I think the team with the more stamina in the end ends up wins the game, you know. But, uh, that's just my, you know, the way I'm looking at it. Uh, but uh, I'd love to hear your response on this. And, uh, like I say, huge fan. Uh, enjoy the, you know, you guys are doing a great job up there, you know, and, uh, keep up the good work. Hope to hear back from you. Peace. All right, I'll, ju- I'll jump in and take this one, David, if you don't mind. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for the uh, voicemail. I think it was a, g- a couple of good questions slash points. Uh, I'll-, I'll take the first one on Scott Turner. Um, to me, I-, I think he's right dead on. I think Scott Turner is a little bit conservative early on in games, maybe for the first quarter, quarter and a half, as he fills out the process, tries to get the horizontal passing game working. And when I say horizontal passing game, I mean the short um, underneath passing game as opposed to stretching the field. And I talked about this on this podcast a lot last year late before you joined us, David. And I've talked about it with coaches. I've asked uh, quarterbacks. I've asked everyone, uh, Terry McLaurin, all of these guys. And largely they all agree with me. This offense would always change when they would stretch the field for the first time, when they would show that they were willing to do it. Whether it was successful or not, it would loosen things up underneath once they showed an ability to go down the field. Again, whether it was successful or not, and obviously it helps if it's successful. I think you're going to get a very, 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 very different offense this year. Two reasons. One, they actually trust the quarterbacks. They did not last year. That's number one. Number two, they have a lot more speed and a lot more playmakers. Uh, as far as the endurance, David, do you, um, I mean, I, I guess all football teams can wear down in the fourth quarter. Do you sense that that was a problem either with the Washington football team or around the NFL? I, I don't know if it's as big of an, an issue as people want to make it out to be. Um, from this standpoint, I don't think you can, like, I, I think it depends on what happens during that game. Meaning if a defense right. is on the field for 32, 33 minutes or whatever it is, yeah, they're going to be tired. No matter how much running you do in July and August, uh, the key is to manage the game better and to execute and operate the offense better so that your offense is on the field more and your defense is kind of uh, not asked to do too much. Is that too simple? No, that's, that's absolutely uh, accurate. And and that's kind of where I was going to go with that. I mean, I think that when uh, you, when you look at some of the best teams in the national football league and some of the best defenses, even you're looking at teams that typically are on the field offensively more than they are, defensively and, and I mean you, you kind of look at it you look at the New Orleans Saints the, this last season in 2020 the New Orleans Saints defense got a whole lot of praise because their defense quote unquote got a whole lot better well New Orleans Saints finished second in the National Football League with time in time of possession averaging 30 31 minutes 46 seconds per game second only to the Green Bay Packers 32 seconds 32 minutes 50 seconds per game and when you're putting up points on top of being on the field as an offense you're only putting your defense in better and better positions. The Washington football team 
came in 17th on that list. So, you know, their their defense is spending a lot more time, about 10 to 11 minutes more uh, per game on the field than some of the best teams in the NFL. So with the addition of Ryan Fitzpatrick, some of these other offensive weapons, I think you'll see the offensive play calling hopefully get a little bit more bold and hopefully get a little bit more creative. Um, a lot of times it's hard to really tell the personality of a play caller because obviously you would know more intimately than I would at this point. But the more weapons you have, the more confident you typically are in opening things up a little bit. The more veteran quarterback, the more experienced quarterback you have, the more confidence you have in your quarterback. Again, that, all those things bleed in. And if this version of the Washington football team offense can get a little bit more bold, a little bit more creative with these new weapons, with this new quarterback, put some more points on the board, maybe protect the ball a little bit better, then the defense will get better stamina-wise, I guess, because it's it's the addition by subtraction. It's not so much they need to run more it's so much they need to run less on game day by not being on the field as long um right. and then of course short field situations quick change you know all those things also play into it as well i think the washington defense found themselves you know playing in, under pressure and then obviously being on the field uh, a little bit more than half of the half of the other defenses in the national football league so honestly the fact that they were able to establish themselves as one of the better defenses in the, in the nfl from a national standpoint with those factors in play really is just more impressive to to what that unit was able to do and then should give fans of the team hopefully a little bit more of a brighter outlook if this offense can indeed improve, which, I mean, they have every reason to improve over last year. So, uh, yeah, man, just just one more reason. I mean, it, it needs to be August, and we need to get to September. Like, I, I'm ready to go right now. I'm sure fans are as well. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to what this team is going to be able to do from an offensive and defensive standpoint. It's a short, but it's a long offseason, no doubt. And, uh, the games are drawing close to training camp, opening up in about five weeks for the Washington football team. All right, that's going to do it for us on this particular episode. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts like this one, the Locked On Washington football team podcast. We just heard from our voicemailer in Arkansas. We appreciate that home of Cam Curl, where we played his college ball. If you have questions that you want to be answered via voicemail, please do so. Help yourself out. We've been rolling them in uh, every episode pretty much. 301-615-3577. Put it in your phone. Write it down. Whatever you got to do. 301 301- 615-3577. Always make sure you identify yourself so we know who we're talking to. And if you want to email us, lockedwftpod at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us. For David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell. Thanks for being with us right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.